Major League Baseball is here to stay right here. This project is a home run and means so much more to us than sports. 40 years that we have been waiting for promises that were made. Well, we are waiting no longer. This is what the community was promised, and this is what we will accomplish. This is what progress looks like, and our Rays are here to stay. Welcome to our podcast series, Here to Stay. Our latest segment highlights the intentional equity portion of the historic gas plant district project and the importance of it. I'm your host today, Neil Solons. Andrick Frazier is president and CEO of Best Source Consulting and a key individual when it comes to the Heinz Rays development team meeting intentional equity objectives. I first asked Andrick to further define the role he has and that of his company. Best Source Consulting has been the leading or driving force behind the intentional equity component of the project. We're also responsible for commenting, communicating, and placing the commitments in the community benefit agreement. So that is the $50 million in intentional equity, our commitment to supplier diversity. So for listeners who may not understand what all of that means, explain what intentional equity is and how you go about achieving it and making sure that this project follows through on on reaching the goals. So what we've seen happen across the country, I would say over the course of the last four to five years is um, kind of this realization of the the playing field not being level or balanced, especially when it relates to wealth uh, here in this country. So you've seen a lot of governmental entities really make comments and statements and stances that relates to intentional equity, which means, you know, allowing access and opportunities to marginalized communities, particularly women-owned, minority-owned, Black, Hispanic, veteran-owned, small, disenfranchised businesses. So what we're intending to do with this project is to identify obstacles and barriers for communities such as the ones I named and, and making sure not only do they have access, but they have ample opportunity to participate in this project from a supplier standpoint, a vendor standpoint, and at some point, an occupancy standpoint. So how do you go about doing that? How does that work? And and how do you, let's begin, let's say with the supplier aspect, how important is that? And how do you make sure they get on board? Well, I think the first thing is you, you really have to get buy-in um, from not only senior leadership, leadership, but your partners. And uh, we've had tremendous support, of course, from the Rays organization, but also from Heinz and organizations like Gensler and, and Populous, honestly. You know, so the, the first point is understanding what things are going to need to be bought, what services are going to be needed, identifying those. And we've been working on that really since the inception of bidding on this proposal. You know, the next piece is really going out and identifying cable businesses that are local, but also letting the word get out that these opportunities are coming. We want businesses to be ready, not only to, to do the work, but they also need to be ready to scale up. We're fortunate enough that this project is going to be taking place over the course of the next 20 years. So smaller businesses today that maybe have five or six employees, once they have opportunities in the upcoming years, will have the opportunity to grow their business by sometimes two, three, tenfold depending upon the amount of expertise and how successful they are with the opportunities they're given on this project. Is a lot of that word of mouth or is it meeting face-to-face, kind of hand-to-hand with businesses around the the St. Petersburg area? It is a multi-pronged approach. It really is a lot of word to mouth. We're doing what we can on social media and the internet to get the word out. Um, We're also trying to do things through the press. But 
you really have to make sure you're engaging with organizations that are repository for miles for diverse suppliers. So working with organizations like the Pinellas County Urban League at some point, reaching out to NAACP um, and also working with your other municipality and governmental entities that have supply diversity departments um, to making sure that when they're having their job fairs, when they're doing their clinics and their workshop sessions, that they're getting the word out to all local suppliers. As you mentioned at the top, there are multiple pieces to this intentional equity portion. Touch on apprenticeships and how that portion of this connects to how this area can grow and how it can benefit the minority community. Uh, the state of Florida has a really robust apprenticeship program, and um, it is governed by the Department of Education. But it allows for a career path, what I would call on a craft and technical side, um, for the layperson to get the skill sets needed to be job ready and to to secure a career. Apprenticeships come in all types of forms. They have them in automotive. They have them in construction. They have them in electrical, mechanical, and plumbing. So the ability to work with organizations such as Pinellas Technical College, some of our local trade unions, and also our local school systems is going to be imperative with us not only getting our workforce trained, but also getting the word out to the workforce to let them know what work is coming over the course of the next 20 years. Obviously, a question we get from, I think, a lot of people in the community is the the housing portion of this. How, did this, how does this connect to the intentional equity and what's your role in, in that? Well, uh, there's, there are really five, what I would consider, pathways to, to creating equity. Um, and all of them lead to generational wealth. Like generational wealth is number one. Uh, once you've reached that status, you really are have a seat at the table and you have an opportunity to be successful, not only for you, but for your family. You have to have a safe place to live and a roof over your head. That starts with affordable housing. The ability to be able to not only pay rent, but also pay your utilities and have that be at 30% or less is a is a known factor to success in creating generational wealth. The next step is the opportunity, of course, to buy a home. And when you have a stable job and you're only paying 30% on rent, you have the ability possibly to save at some point to buy a home. Once you have a job, you have those three things in place, you know, starting a small business and being a successful entrepreneur is really the next step to creating generational wealth. And as you can see with some of the programming that we've laid out, being able to support the mind that wants to start their own business but may not have the resources, being able to spark that and create a platform and a pathway in order to do that is a surefire way to success for entrepreneurship. And connecting with all those businesses and individuals within St. Petersburg, is that your greatest challenge in terms of creating that? And if not, what is? I think the greatest challenge, number one, is providing people not only with the information, but you know, with the assurance that this is going to happen. I think establishing trust and following up on our commitments is the primary obstacle for us. The one question I think we get a lot is, how are we going to make sure people participate in this program? That's going to be a community effort. Community has to get behind us on this. Again, the one benefit this project has over some of the others that have been in the past is that A, is such a large project. You're talking about $6.5 billion between the historic gas plant development as well as the ballpark. But again, we have 20 years to make that happen. So we can literally have a child right now that's in middle school at John Hopkins today that can not only work on this site in 10 years, they could be an occupant of this site, whether in one of our apartment or multifamily buildings, or at some point as a business owner. 
And knowing that, how transformative do you think the project can be overall? The opportunities are limitless here. You hear things like once in a lifetime generational project. And at first I thought those things were pie in the sky, but we honestly have an opportunity to do some things that are transformational, not only in this community, but I think in the country. It's nearly a 90 acre parcel, again, 20 years worth of work. We have the right administration in place and key and key players, and we have the right ownership group, not only in Rays, but with the back end of Hines to make this happen. If you could touch on how maybe the, the past in St. Petersburg impacts this project and its future. When you look at the site, of course, and what was here at one point before it was raised to create what's now Tropicana Field, you, you had a rich, historic Black community that, you know, had diversity within itself. And when I say diversity, I'm talking about diversity of employment, diversity in the type of businesses. Um, this can be the same type of place 10 years from now. It could also honor the past by making sure that we don't forget the legacy that was left. I think we also have a responsibility um, to make sure that we're preserving the arts. We're being inclusive, not only in the type of businesses that are on site, but in the type of people that are here. And the city of St. Pete in itself, if you ask me, has become a destination, you know, not for just the beaches, but for cultural awareness. And for us to be able to leave a stamp on this project, honoring the people that were here, 50, 60 years ago, but also creating a pathway uh, for the people that can be here 50 years from now, I think is going to be the biggest mark we can leave as it relates to legacy for the project. So, Andrew, how is the communication right now between yourselves and the community and how will it be going forward? You know, this process has evolved from the time the mayor issued the RFP in August of uh, 2022 to now. Um, you know, initially in in crafting the RFP response, there was a cone of silence. Right, we could have zero communication with city council, zero communication with the mayor and city administration. We had several groups locally that were actually bidding on the proposal itself, so it put up silos and walls where different, you know, factions or neighborhoods of the community weren't communicating with each other, right? So we progressed from that to finally getting an award and having an opportunity to talk to the city, getting their feedback on our proposal and things they would like to see change. It also allowed for us to re-engage with the community, especially with members that weren't original partners of ours during the submittal. That has been the steepest learning curve. And it really has been a two-way conversation I think you can have seen it thus far in the term sheet and how it has shifted from what we propose. Affordable housing is one of the one of the items I can pick right off the bat. It was 859 units, I believe, in the original proposal. We're up to 1,200 right now because of those dialogues with the community and the city. Our restorative conversations process, which is part of outreach, is going to continue that process. We would be naive to believe that we have everything figured out on this project over the course of the next 20 years. Engagement with the community, engagement with the city administration, engagement with council is going to be paramount in this project being successful. We will continue to meet with any and every group that wants to meet with us as long as time allows. We will continue to see information come out, whether there's through social media, um, our websites. I would also encourage anyone who wants to follow what's going on with the project to go to www.raisebaseball.com forward slash here to stay. Please fill out the information on that form so you can make sure that you stay engaged. This is the community's project. It is not a Raise Hans project. This is a community city of St. Pete project. 
And in order for us to be successful, we need the community to be involved in every aspect they possibly can. Thanks so much to Andrew Frazier of Best Source Consulting for joining us on the latest of our series, Here to Stay. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll talk with you soon.